Again, if you go back in time, they, they overlapped in time. It's, it's certainly the case that Avraham, once Yitzchak had, uh, had children, that's of course Avraham interacted with Yaakov and, and Esav. And, um, and it stands to reason as well that it's possible that, that Yitzchak had maybe, it's not as simple to suggest such a thing, that maybe there was the possibility of some interaction between the Torah does not describe it. The Torah does not tell us about the interaction between Avraham and, and Yaakov, or Esau, nor does it talk about the interaction between Yitzchak and the Shvatim. The fact that Yaakov Avinu is involved not only in the life of his children, but also in the life of his children's children, says Rastalvechik, is the reason that the Jewish people are called B'nai Yisrael. There's a whole sugi in the Gemara that B'nai Banim the, the sons of sons, the children of, of children, the grandchildren are also called are also called children. The fact that Yaakov Avinu continues to pass on the lineage to his grandchildren, this relationship of grandchildren is something which is if anyone was fortunate enough to have a close relationship with their grandparents, you know that the the relationship between between, you know, parents and children can sometimes be strained by the fact that the parents are responsible for raising the children, which means they have all types of thoughts about how to improve the children. But the relationship between grandparents and grandchildren is one where the grandchildren can really do no wrong. You're perfect in the eyes of your grandparents. And there's no, that strain of the relationship. There's a certain love, there's a certain ava that's built into the relationship between grandparents and children. And so the Jewish people are called B'nai Yisrael because of the fact that Yaakov Avinu passes on the Mesorah in a remarkable way that 
allows for the continuance, not just for one generation, for multiple generations. And this is something that Rosalvechik spoke about all the time, how the Torah does this. Yaakov Avinu represents Torah, of course. Right? If there are three pillars upon which the world stands, Chesed, Tefillah, or Avoda, writ large, which also includes Karbonos, I suppose, and Torah. And Avra, of course, is the paradigm of Chesed. Yitzchak is the paradigm of Tefillah, of Avoda, of Karbonos. And Yaakov Avinu is the paradigm of Torah. Torah is the thing that is cross-generational, that allows us to that allows us to, thank you so much. I'm sorry, I was on mute. My apologies, thank you for pointing that out. Um, it's cross-generational. The Torah is something that allows us to, uh, just today in Shir, you know, we were, we were with the Rambam in Egypt and we were with Rabbi Huda Chassid and the Sefer Chassidim in, uh, in Germany and we had a little stopover by the Meiri, you know, in Provence. And we had, we were all over the globe and all over history. We, we, were, we were traveling through many different centuries because the Torah allows us to, to pass on something from one generation to the next, which is, which is eternal. There's a machlokas between the Ibn Ezra and the Ramban. Because what does it mean when we say, what do those words mean? The Ibn Ezra says that means that the children, the descendants of Yosef, meaning Ephraim and Asher, are getting this bracha directly from, from Yaakov. It means that they are going to be special, endowed with this special quality that the Jewish people are going to be called the Bnei Ephraim, or they're going to be called Bnei Yosef, Beis Yosef. The entire Jewish people are named after Yosef. Habein Yaakir Li Ephraim Yelid Shashum is not just talking about the descendants of Ephraim, but all of the Jewish people in that sense are called Ephraim. Habein Yaakir Li Ephraim. Beis Yosef, we're referred to as the house of, of Joseph, even though there are many people who aren't descendants of Yosef. Certainly the Kohanim in the room are not descendants of Yosef. And yet the Jewish people, the Yekar Shmi, it means that just like we are called Bnei Yisrael, we're also going to be called Bnei Yosef. Rachel is Mavaka al That's the third proof that the Ibn Ezra gives. Rachel Mavaka al She's crying for her children. Rachel is not the mother of so many of the, of the people sitting in this room. So, so what does that mean that Rachel is the... Because, because in a certain sense, the Jewish people are called by the, by the name of Yosef. Ikar behem shmi means that as if the Pasuk says, Vikara shmi bahem. My name is going to be called them. In other words, my descendants are going to be called after them. The Ramban objects to the Ibn Ezra on the basis of the fact that it says Vikarashmi Bahem, and only if we're only named after Ephraim, we're not, we don't find anywhere that Bnei Israel is called Menashe in in this like broad sh- strokes. And the Ramban says maybe that's what he means when he says that we're called after Yosef. That since we're called after Yosef, please please come in. Since we're called after Yosef, it could be. It could be that since we're called after Yosef, that includes Ephraim and Menashe together. That's the Ben Ezra. The Ramban says, V'ikar b'hem shmi is a bracha that Yaakov is giving to his descendants, he's giving to Ephraim and Menashe, who are growing up in exile. That V'ikar b'hem shmi u'b'shem avasaya avram v'yitzchak. The simple interpretation says the Ramban is not like the Ben Ezra, but is you know, I'm giving you a bracha, Yosef, 
that your children, I'm giving your children a bracha, that many generations from now, thousands of years from now, we'll be sitting in a room in the year 2023 and we'll still be talking about Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Not only will we still be talking about them, but it stands to reason, I'm not going to do it right now, but it stands to reason that there's somebody in here whose first name or second name is Avraham or Yitzchak or Yaakov. It's an amazing thing, thousands of years later, and we're still talking about and still hanging on to and still referencing ourselves and our reference point for everything is, is Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, Leah, that we'll, be, we'll have this potent awareness of the Mesorah. So not only, like Rav said, that we're called Bnei Yisrael because of the fact that Yaakov has a relationship with his grandchildren, but Yaakov is the one who's Megala, this Indian, of being able to, thousands of years can pass, and to still have a sense of where we come from. It's a very amazing thing. You know, one of the brachas that Yaakov gives, just thinking now, one of the brachas that Yaakov gives to, to Yisachar, very famous bracha, famous because it's assumed that this bracha is not only talking to Yisachar, but it's talking to all Tamil Chachamim. Yisachar being the, the quintessential, the paradigmatic Tamil Chacham. Pasuk says that Yaakov blesses Yisachar, I'm not finding it this very second, but just looking at all the letters is fun. That Yaakov says to Yisachar, that Yisachar is a chamor goram. He's like a, he's compared to a chamor and a shor. This is the bracha that Yaakov gives to And the Svarim HaKadoshim point out that Chavetz Chaim Al-Torah has like a famous word about the, about the shor being someone who plows. The chamor is someone who carries. Someone who carries. And the, right, that's the, the chamor is, is, is particularly suited I still remember Rav Weinberg talking about when he, when he lived in Israel for a little bit. It strikes me because uh, we, we lived in the same place. He lived in the exact same apartment that we lived in when he first, when he was in Gross for the year. So I never went to Gross, but I lived in the same apart- exact same apartment that he was in. And he talks about how when they, they had ordered, like him and his wife, they were a young couple, and they ordered a uh, a refrigerator. They went to Mayasharm and they like bought a used fridge, and uh, and it was brought on 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 a, like a on a on a truck. And he says he remembers the people taking it off the truck. And they, he said he was like looking at them, and they looked like in his eyes they they looked like donkeys. You know, they were like they were like schlepping the because that's the like you picture like a donkey schlepping up a hill like a like a big refrigerator, or a big uh, a big suitcase, a big something. You know, so. A chamor is, is very good at schlepping things. An ox is particularly suited for plowing the earth. They both do both, but a shore is associated, says Chavz Chaim, with plowing new earth, preparing for chidushim. The ox, the, the, the Talmud Chacham has two, two jobs. And generally speaking, I'm very much more attracted and, and oftentimes educationally try to teach towards chidush because I, I firmly believe that I've spoken about this so many times in yeshiva and over the years, that the, the, the best thing that you can do for your future Talmidim or for your children is if you can get them to say something novel, they'll be drunk on Torah for the rest of their lives. If you can get somebody to say a chiddush of their own, 
There's no, there's no greater pleasure in the whole world than to be mechadish Torah, to say something of a chiddish. That's, that's the job of an ox. But today, maybe because it's Parents Week, maybe because, uh, or not quite yet, but there's a lot of parents around. Or maybe it's just because this is what I'm thinking about. I just got to see my own parents uh, in the States I went for, for last week. The Indian of, of, the, of the donkey is no less chashev. The ability to carry something, especially when it's something like the Mesorah that we have, our tradition. Don't think, you should never make the mistake of thinking that you're in yeshiva so that you could become a Talmud Chacham, so that one day you'll be able to write your own Sfarim. Now, the truth is, I'm guilty as charged because I, I educate towards that. I always say, like, oh, what are you going to call your Sefer? And if a, if a Talmud says a Chiddush, I play it up very big. And that's true. That is, what, that is what we're doing here. And that's not just in yeshiva. That's what a Jew is doing when they're studying Torah. They're trying to say something novel. To assimilate all the previous information, to synthesize it within yourself, and to say, say a Chiddush. You came to the world to say Chidushim. But the truth is, the truth is, that if all we did in this world... Grab a copy of Forest uh, of if, if all we did in this, in this world is not say a chiddush, but if all we did in this world is just to carry the Torah on to the next generation, like a donkey carries something, that's also part of the bracha that Yaakov gives to Yisachar. If all we do is to continue to pass on, you know, we're named after Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, and tell the simple story of what it means to be a person who carries the name of Hashem on your lips. You think that's a small thing? The Torah is an unbelievable chiddush in and of itself. The fact that we're still here busy with this, that we're still busy with this, almost 2024, in Tafshin Pei Dalet, that we're still here busy with these stories and with these lessons and with these dinim and these halachos and these intricate details of, of, of trying to understand what does Hashem want from us is... An amazing thing, even if we said no more chidushim, just to carry. People are mezalzal in the Indian of carrying. There's a Tosos in the beginning of Mesecha Shabbos. Tosos says, why does Mesecha Shabbos start with Hotzah? First, first Mishnah is, talks about Hotzah. You would think, maybe there's other malachas you could start with. Why start with Hotzah? So Tosos has a famous line. That Tosos says, Hotzah is a malacha gerua. It's a malacha gerua. There's different interpretations of exactly what that means. The Achronim are busy trying to figure out what Tosos exactly means. One understanding of this Tosos is that Hutzah is a malacha gerua. It means that carrying something from one domain to another domain doesn't seem like anything particularly creative. Usually what's forbidden on Shabbos is, you know, you make a fire and you, 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 you separate out the negative from the, 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 the bad from the good. You build something, that's creativity. Carrying something from one place to another, that's creativity. And so the Masechta starts by telling you, yeah, that's creativity. That's also part of being creative. Carrying something from one generation to the next. Being able to pass something down from Yaakov down to his children, down to his grandchildren. <clears throat> Calling our children, Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, Leah, to be able to say that we're carrying something on to the next generation is itself a malacha. It's called a malacha gerua, not because it's actually a malacha gerua, but because that's the way people look at it. People think of it as a, it's a, gerua means it's like a, it's a, it's a, it's a poor malacha. It's not, it doesn't seem like a very creative malacha. 
And therefore, it has to be the first malacha that we teach about because it is a malacha. Because simply taking something, transmitting it from one generation to the next is already so chashuv. So if you come to yeshiva and you struggle to just get through the material and you're not saying fancy chidushim like some other guy in the shir seems to be running circles around and they're just, you know, just being able to pass on Shabbos and tefillin and tzitzis and kashras. These are chidushim atzumim, just the thing itself. The simple, the simple thing to pass it from a father to a child, from a child to a grandchild is an amazing thing. I asked for this because the dedication page the dedication page in this, uh, in this Sefer that I got to write, at the very end of the dedication, I, I dedicated the Sefer to my Rebbe of Avraham Yitzchak Levin, whose Yurtzeit was not that long ago. His first Yurtzeit. It's one year since his passing. Just before I went to the States was his Yurtzeit. And when I presented him with my first Sefer, I sneakily, always, whenever we used to talk, I always used to have a recording in my pocket. We would speak for hours, you know, and like I, I would have a, 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 a tape recorder in my pocket. Listen, they did much worse things in the Gemara, okay? They snuck under the Rebbe's bed while he was with his wife. I'm saying, <laughs> this is just, we are talking Torah. I always had a tape recorder in the pocket. Gems, Mom's gems. And when I, I gave him the first, the first copy of the Sefer, so you could do the same to me. I don't know, no problem. I always say, you don't have to ask to record if I was embarrassed to say something, I wouldn't say it, you know? So, when I gave him the first Sefer, his, I remember his, his wife and my mother were talking, I went with my mother to go deliver the Sefer to him, and, his, and the Rebetzin and my, my mother were talking, and in the background you hear like the, the Rebetzin and my mother sort of like talking in the background, and as soon as he started saying what I'm about to read to you, it all of a sudden got very quiet in the room. Got very quiet in the room. I gave him a copy of a Sefer. And he said, very, he got choked up. We were talking for a little, and he said, do you know what it means to have Talmidim who are B'nai Torah? I'm not worthy of it. I'm not worthy of it. He said it twice. It's the reason for all the things that we do. The only reason we're around is to pass the Torah on to the next generation at least as good as we received it, maybe to try a little more. That's more fulfillment than anything. And svarim, books, shiurim, you are a fulfillment. That's a wonderful thing to know that you're a fulfillment. That's what he said. More than svarim or shiurim or anything else is just to pass on the Torah the way we received it that we still call our children Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Sarif, Rachel, and Leila. They behem shemi. That Yaakov had a relationship with his grandchildren. Is the, that's the ikr of Yadus. That's the ikr of what we're doing here in this world. The only reason we're around, my Rebbe said, is to pass on the Torah to the next generation. It's true that we generally look at, at Hutzah as a malach gerua. We think of Hutzah is this small malacha, but it's not, but it's the first, <laughs> it's the first malacha, Masech Shabbos, because don't make the mistake of thinking it's a malacha gerua, at least in one interpretation of, of Tosus's words. It's not a malacha gerua be'etzim. You might think it's a malacha gerua, but it's a, it's a, it's a deraisa malacha, to carry something from point A to point B is no small thing. 
And there are many traditions and there are many preoccupations that human beings have had over the course of the millennia that we've been around as human beings, as conscious beings, where an idea is attempting to be passed from point A to point B. And for a while, it's popular. For a while, people are lining up to try to be first in line to get, catch a glimpse of this idea. But make no mistake about it, Netzach Yisrael, Lo Yishakir, the Jewish people are carrying something eternal. I think I shared with you once before the, the Maharal. The Maharal says that the reason that Hashem didn't give the Torah to Avram, Yitzchak, or Yaakov, even though Chazal say that there are 2,000 years of Torah, of Tohu, excuse me, 2,000 years of Torah and 2,000 years of Mashiach, that's the Gemara and Sanhedrin. That the 6,000 years of creation are split between 2,000 years of Tohu, of chaos, without Torah, 2,000 years where there's Torah, and 2,000 years of Mashiach, already in the Yemos of Mashiach and so on, these last 2,000 years. So the 2,000 years of Torah begin with Avram Avinu, Rashi points out. Right? Avram Avinu is born in 1948 from the creation of Adam Rishon. From 0 to 1948, Avram Avinu is born in the year 1948. And at the age of 52 is when he begins to discover the Rabbon Shalom, according to many Midrashim, according to the Rambam, at the age of 52. Which means 2000 is when he starts this Indian of, of Torah. The Torah begins in the year 2000 from Avram Avinu. No. So how come the Torah was only given in the year 2448 from creation? 448 years from the time of Avram until the giving of the Torah. There was no text of the Torah. We did not receive the Torah Shabbat from the Rabbana Shalom. Harsinai happened 448 years after ostensibly the 2000 years of Torah began. So the Maral says, how come Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, how come none of them received the Torah? Why didn't they get the Torah? If the 2,000 years of Torah begin with them, why didn't they get the document? Why do we wait till Moshe Rabbeinu? So the Maral says, because Avnavinu is Gvaldik, Avnavinu. Everything we have is from, I mean, Hashem, Avram Ohavo. Everything we have is because Hashem chose Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu is the, is the, is the trunk of the tree that we're all branches of. For sure that's true. But Avram Avinu is not eternal. Avram Avinu is an individual person. And Avram Avinu, at some point in history, dies. And the Torah says the Maharal, which is a very Maharalian idea, that Maharal has this idea that the Torah only goes to things that are like it. That's why he says the Torah has to go. The Torah is a very humble document, if you think about it. It's the infinite mind of God contained within 5,845 I mean, infinity into less than 6,000 verses. That's like, that's a very humble, you know, like, the document is, is, is willing to come down into 5,485 verses. Five thousand eight hundred and forty-five verses. That's the that's the that's that's a very humble document. So the Maral says the Torah is also eternal. Just like the Torah only goes to a humble person because the Torah itself is very humble. So too the Torah only goes to something which is eternal. And so even though Avram Avinu was worthy of the Torah, on the level of an individual, but the Torah which is eternal can only go to a people which is eternal. And so therefore. Yaakov Avinu is almost ready to turn the, right? From Yaakov Avinu already we have, 
last week's parsha, the, the 70th soul that came down to Mitzrayim was Yocheved, the mother of Moshe Rabbeinu. We're almost, almost there. We moved from 12 to 70 to ultimately 600,000 Jews in a very short period of time. And then, very quickly, the Jewish people are ready to receive the Torah, but only because we're eternal. And the eternal nature of the Jewish people is that we're passing on something that on the surface is so simple. We all learned it already when we were, when we were, if we were fortunate enough to be in, in school from the time we were in kindergarten. We learned the Torah already one. We go through the partials, we learn the basics, we learn the Aleph Beis. To pass that on from one generation to the next and to, for it to still be as profound now. The lessons of the Torah, which are just as profound now. That's why every single week we sit here, we open up a Chumash, and we say, what is the profound lesson that the Torah is teaching me? Without having prepared, what does the Torah want to say to our generation now? It's still relevant right now. And the same Torah that my five-year-old is learning is the same Torah that my eight-year-old is learning, the same Torah that my 11-year-old is learning, that I, 39-year-old, am learning, and that Rav Chaim Kanievsky was learning when he was alive, even though he learned it so many times. Because the same Torah itself is infinite. It's infinite and eternal. And the simple act of, of just passing it on without... Forget the svarim and the chidushim that Rav Chaim wrote. The fact that he's able to pass it on from one generation to the next generation. That's the, that's the only reason that we're around. To pass it on. And then maybe if we could do a little better, that's what Mary said. Maybe if we pass from one generation to the next generation, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, to the next generation, that we have Shem Yisrael still on our lips is not a small thing. I always like to sing this. This was, there's one thing I, you know you never know what songs are gonna be, but this is you could always be certain that first by Yechiel gonna sing this.
says that as Yaakov Avinu is getting ready to graduate from the world so he calls together all his children to give them brachas so we were talking before about the bracha of, of Yaakov to Yisachar Hashem Tov Torah quotes from either the Toldus Yaakov Yosef or the Degel Machan Ephraim I don't remember from one of the two of them quote in the name of their master and teacher the Baal Shem Tov Vayikra Yaakov al-Bana vayomer ha-asifu vayagidu lachem es asher yikra eschem ba-achris hayamim. Yaakov calls together his sons. Vayomer ha-asifu vayagidu lachem es asher yikra eschem ba-achris hayamim. And I'll tell you what's going to happen to you in the end of the days. So first of all, a separate Torah. I forget where I saw this. I want to say maybe in the Majitzer. I don't remember. The Yaakovinu says, Ha'asifu, and I'll tell you what's going to happen Ba'achar Sayyamim. That means that when the Jewish people gather together, that's already a, a taste of Ba'achar Sayyamim. Ha'asifu, and I'll tell you what's going to happen nowadays. If you come together, even if we just came into this room once a week on Thursday at 4.20 and sat here like this, quietly, without saying any words. Ha'asifu, just gathering, Jewish people gathering together, different yeshivas, different people coming to visit, zooming in. Just having a space to sit together, Jewish people sitting together, is already b'china v'achar sayyamim. That's already Mashiach dik. And especially nowadays, when we're seeing the Jewish people coming together in a remarkable way, in ways that we haven't seen in, in Mamish many, many years. It's important to just remind ourselves. Ha'asifu v'agidolachem what's going to happen but the Baal Tov Torah focuses on the word Asher Yikra Eschem Ba'achar Sayyamim Asher Yikra Eschem Ba'achar Sayyamim the word Yikra is a funny funny word what's going to happen to you Ba'achar Sayyamim somebody once asked Rav Chaim Velazhner I'll tell you the Torah from the Baal in a second someone once asked Rav Chaim Velazhner what, what's Tell me what the day is like when Mashiach comes. Like, what's that day going to feel like? What's that day going to look like? What's, what's happening on the day that Mashiach's coming? So Rav Chaim Velazhner said, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what that day is like. He said, well, I've come home from Shul. It'll be a nice day. I'll come home from Shul. 
and I'll put my talis and tefillin back on the shelf where they go for the next day. And I'll sit down at the table to learn. And my wife will come over to me and she'll say, Chaim, I'm going out to the store to buy some things. There's soup on the stove. Please, you know, make sure that, uh, make sure that, uh, you know, you turn it off. I don't want the soup to burn. I don't want it to bubble over. I'm just, you know, anyone who's ever been in that situation, you know, who's married in this room, just us. Just us uh, you know, it's like, uh, you know, and, and nowadays we have like good like alarms on the thing and still, you know, you know, you hear like the footsteps of your wife coming back up the steps and it's like, oh no, it's burning. You know, it's like, try to, <laughs> maybe it's just me. So I feel, I feel better by this story. This is a story to help everybody feel better about themselves. I'll be sitting at the table and my wife will say, Chaim, I'm going out to the store to go get some things. Can you just watch the soup while I'm away and make sure everything's good and she'll leave and I'll be sitting there with, with a safer and I'll be studying and I'll be so engrossed in my, in my learning that the soup will bubble over and I won't hear it right away and then, you know, it'll be getting all over the, all over the stove and all over the counter and suddenly I'll, I'll realize, you know, and, and I'll jump up from my seat and I'll grab some towels and I'll start to, like, trying to clean up the mess and as I'm there, like, cleaning up the mess, all of a sudden the chauffeur, and Mashiach's going to come. In other words, if Chaim Lezhner was trying to say that it's going to be a perfectly normal day, it's not going to be, it's not going to be like some cataclysmic event that precedes Mashiach's coming, it's going to be people going about their day, doing what they do, the soup is boiling over, and, you know, and we're, we're feeling, like the Gemara says, Mashiach comes behesach hadas, behesach hadas. That's what the Gemara says. The Mashiach comes behesach hadas. The Gemara says three things come behesach hadas. A lost object, a, a, a scorpion comes, surprises you, bites you, or Mashiach, you know? That's a deep Torah, not for now, but there's a deep, deep Torah there. Mashiach comes behesach hadas. Like when you're least expecting it, you're not. That's the simple interpretation of Rechaim Velazhin is saying. You think Rechaim Velazhin was just saying, Stam, Mashiach's going to come unexpectedly? He could have said, he gave a whole muscle just to say that. The Baal Shem Tov said, gather and I'll tell you, Asher Yikre Eschem Ba'achir Sayyamim. The word yikra there is, is dafka. The word yikra there means, says the Baal Tov, that Mashiach is going to come, Achir Sayyamim is going to be brought about when we're just doing what we're doing, we just happen to be doing what we're doing. Now what does that mean? I mean the whole thing that the Baal Shem Tov came to do in the world was that we shouldn't do our avodas Hashem, right? Asher karcha is lashon of of mikra. That we just, you know, we go about doing our avoda in a way which is like uh, very robotic and monotonous. So it can't be. It can't. It doesn't, doesn't just mean that we'll be we'll be going about the avoda. So you know, we were talking before about just the simple act of carrying from one place to another. Nothing fancy. I think that's what the Baal Shem Tov is saying here also. Lashanta is saying, Asher Yikraschem Bachir Sayamim. When the Bashantov came to say that a person's Avodas Hashem has to be with passion and with fire and with chidushim and with excitement, he didn't mean that it shouldn't be between us and with simple simpleness. Not like not like a simple tin, but with a certain sense of childish 
just I'm doing what I do without so much thinking about it, without so much posturing, without so much, what will they say? What will other people say? What does it look like? You know, the Bashem Tov and the Arizal, the, the Arizal, and certainly the Bashem, the Bashem Tov said that he mastered all of the writings of the Arizal so that he could then just go back to saying the Perish Amilim of the words in a very simple way and have the interpretations of the Baal Shem Tov and the Rashash and other Tzadikim, you know, behind him. But the simple words themselves, don't, don't make the mistake of thinking, the simple words themselves carry the weight. I'm just now spending a lot of, you know, I spend about an hour a day, although I've been a little sluggish this past week since I got back from America, getting back into it. I'm about an hour a day to writing a commentary on one of Rabbi Nachman's stories. So in the introduction to one of the stories, in the introduction to the story I wrote, you know, which, that, Lo ha-medrashua ikr el It's a Mishnah from Pirkei The main thing is not the, the midrashim, the chidushim, the things that you could say, oh, this really is a reference to this, and this is a, uh, an allusion to some deep Gemara, to a passage in the Zohar, to a Rizal, to something. Ha-ikr ha Iker is the action. And the same thing is true in a... Iker is not all the fancy pilpulim and, the, uh, and all the superimposed things on top of it. We do that because we need it. Because we need it to, in order to, to carry the, the torch further. It has to be a torch that we're carrying further. But Lemaisa, the simple act of putting on tefillin without really... Know, like, after we know everything, after we know what we're doing, and then we come back and we just... The simple act of putting on tefillin, the simple act of putting a... And it's like, after I know that, yeah, when I, take a, when I take a coin and I hold it in my hand and then I stretch it out and I put it in the hand of, a, of, a, of an, an ani, so the Arizal says the coin is like a yud, it's like a, like a letter yud, it's like a little yud, and I take it in my hand, which is the hay, and then I outstretch my arm, which is like the vav, and then I put it in the ani's hand, which is like a hay. Psh, very, oh, so deep, so profound. Not as profound as actually taking a coin and putting it in the ani's hand. I mean, the, the maisa itself, maisa means that you know what's Mashiach? You know what's Mashiach? Mashiach is when we've so deeply assimilated our Torah knowledge that it's asher yikra eschem. Like the Bashan said, it's just going to be like normal life. Okay, it's a normal thing. It's a normal thing. And n- normal thing doesn't mean like doing it robotically. We could be talking about the loftiest things about where it'll be a normal thing. To, and, and it already is. Sometimes I'll catch myself. I'll be like, someone will ask if they could walk me out of yeshiva. I'll be walking with one of the Talmidim and they'll be asking me about, oh, you know, I've been studying Tanya recently and I'm just studying this passage and they start asking about one of the spheros or Yichud Yilah, Yichud Tata. And, they start, and we're like walking on the street. Kila, like this is a normal thing to be talking about, like when you're walking down the street, talking about the deepest secrets of the world. When you're like walking down the street, it's a normal thing. And the answer is that Asher Yikra Eschem Ba'achir Sayyam means that there's a level of Avodos Hashem where it's not so fancy anymore, where you get used to it. One of my, uh, my Rebbeim has a Rebbe, who was a brother, who was the, the chief rabbi of Kever Rachel. Rav Avram Tzvi Kluger is my Rebbe, of Judah Michelle's Rebbe. His brother is, the, is, the, is one of the main rabbis at Kever Rachel. He has a kolel there in Kever Rachel. So he once said that, you know, even deeper than the experience of, and you guys have the same thing here with, with, with the kota. 
even deeper than the experience of coming to Kever Rachel and like tears, you know, like streaming, streaming down your face, like Mama Rachel, and it came, and like this, this, being in Oros and his spilus of like this big thing, even deeper than that, he said, is being at Kever Rachel and having been there for so long, you're so comfortable, that not in a disrespectful way, but, you know, sitting at Kever Rachel, being, feeling comfortable enough to like take your shoes off a little, not like put your feet up, but like have your shoes off while you're sitting there learning and have a cup of coffee because like, because it's, because it's, your, it's, no, it's normal. It's not, it's not an experience anymore. You're not like on a mission. You're not like a, but that's chashuv. But what's even more chashuv is living in Eretz Yisrael and having it be normal, going shopping, like a regular day of shopping. Asher yikra means when it gets to the point where it's just, this is normal life. Or it's not such a chiddish to, like, there's a certain, you know, there's a certain evolution in a person's avodas Hashem, where at first, it's like, it's a big chiddish. We're going we're gonna to daven halal, we're actually going to sing the songs, we're not just going to say the words. And we're going to feel so, you know, like, wow, like, and maybe even someone will be playing an instrument. <gasps> but then it gets to a point where it's like, yeah, that's called halal. That's just normal. And you don't feel like cool and avant-garde that you're like uh, singing during Hallel. You know, like you're, it's not like neo-chasidus or something like that. It's, this is called serving Hashem. This is called normal. So I'll end with, because um, I see we're running out of time very quickly. A funny place to end. But when I, um, my parents were kind enough to to grant me guitar lessons for about a year when I was like 13 years old. I got a guitar from my grandmother for my bar mitzvah. I had about a year and a half of, a year and, probably about a year, because there were some breaks in the middle, but a year of guitar lessons. It's a very nice fellow by the name of Rick Snow. Um, don't know where he is now. Uh, Rick Snow, at the end of our uh, sessions together, bought me a, a small book that was called Zen Guitar. Now, even at the time, I was uh, finicky enough to realize that I didn't want to read this book. It was like a Buddhist guitar book, like, you know, hipster guitar, Zen Buddhism guitar book. I don't know. It was a little, little book. But I read the introduction, and the introduction had a muscle in this book, which is Mamish's Indian that we're talking about, the Vashento's Indian of learning all of the Arizal and the Rashash and all the, all the Kavanos for Tefillah and then going back to the simple words, had a beautiful mashal. He said that he was talking about guitar, but his mashal was, he's talking about, you know, in, in the field of karate, there's different types of karate. So you go to, in like the, in the old school, you know, in like the real original uh, dojos. So, a new recruit would come to learn the art of karate, and they would be given a white belt. Now, nowadays you go to you know you go to one of these like uh, karate dojos where it's like uh, after school program or something. So, you know you're there for long enough. Eventually, you learn all the all the katas and all the you know the different moves or whatever. You you graduate to a different belt. They give you a they give you, a, you know, maybe they have a ceremony, they give you like a, you go from, I don't know, all the colors, they go from white to yellow to green, stomach, blue, black, brown, brown, black, black, something like that. It gets darker. So he says, you know what that comes from? 
Because in the original dojas, you've got your white belt, and through blood and sweat and tears and practice, practice, your belt would get darker and darker and darker through the hard work. Meaning as you were progressing in your, in your avayda, you would, your, your belt would get darker and more schmutzed up and would get... He said, but then the real masters, the real karate masters, they would keep working so hard and so hard and so hard that the belt would start to fade because it would start to get so worn out that it would start to get lighter again. And it would get like dark with like all the things, but then the staining would go away because you would keep working even more and it would start to, the colors would start to fade. The ichor is to get back to that place of pure white. And in the Hashem, it's the same thing. The ichor is to learn new things, to become excited, and then to assimilate them into your personality so much that it's not, you're not like sort of like smiling as you do it or like sort of looking over your shoulder or feeling like a gavra, because like, now nah, look at me, look what I'm doing. But it's so natural, it's so normal, that you couldn't envision it any other way. That's asher yikres chen that'll become mikra, it'll become happenstance. And then you have new chidushim, of course, there's always new chidushim. But the goal, mashiachdik, means that it's not such a chidush, it's not such a, you're not doing a kunz, it's not a trick. It's just natural, it's just normal. Hashem should bring it speedily like this.
Shabbat